What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. This episode of The Warriors Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we fucking love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes that experience better. Look, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. It's crazy fun. I've done it for years. But watching a game in a spot that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID stole that from us for a while, and the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge and legitimate TVs, and their full complement of great food, service, and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warriors season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's basically family friendly. I can go here, get hammered with my friends and get too passionate, or I can roll with my wife and kid and just enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. We're with me, Bram, with you for usual. My boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master, all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Gentlemen, I am excited to announce, after way too long, after a head fake last week, we are fired up to have back into the huddle, the host of the Morning Rose on 95.7 The Game, the lead on the Warriors pre- and post-game coverage for the Golden State, NBC, Sports Bay Area, and a guy who watched me become best friends with D. Wright and Chris Mullen last week on the set, <laughs> Mr. Bonte Hill. What's going on, Bonte? You know, Maxine, Marcus, good to be on with you guys. Bram, I don't know about that because, you know, he, he tried to be best friends with Mullen and D. Wright, but he got stage fright. He did become friend, best friends with Joe Shasky, which is not a hard thing to do. I see my co-host <laughs> going to games with the World Huddle. I introduced him all of a sudden. He's getting prime time tickets. I don't get calls anymore. But I got to say, fellas, the face, the expression of Brand's face when he walked into the gatehouse last week, coming to Chase Center. And I'm like, yo, come meet Chris Mullen. He's like standing in the back like, uh, I just saw a ghost. Now, Brand is a very talkative guy. He's... You know, he's very uh, abrasive at times. You know, he's cocky, he's arrogant. He thinks the stuff don't stink. And when he saw Mullen and D right, my man didn't know what to do. Oh it was God. like he ran into the Pope or something. I don't know. Okay. He like okay. he saw Beyonce or something walking on the <laughs> runway. It was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm like, hey, Bram, come meet Bully. Meanwhile, my co-host, who has no shame whatsoever, but I love him. I love him dearly. But, I mean, he must have asked Chris Mullen for five things in less than 60 seconds. So the whole, <laughs> whole episode was just like, oh, man, okay, 
I'm just going to let that one breathe. I'm not going to say anything to Melinda right about it. And we're just going to keep it moving. We're going to keep it moving and act like it never happened. I, I have spent the last five seconds trying to find the fucking mute button on Monte. And by the way, we did, I got to be the host on here. Dude. I mean, like of the Zoom meeting because I couldn't find the goddamn thing. So he said a lot of things there. He said I was cocky. That's true. He said I'm abrasive. Also true. He also said I talk a lot. True. But he said I was a ghost in that city. And I'm calling bullshit. Let's a little set up, boys, so they're all on the same page. Last week, I did, in fact, go to a Warriors game with Joe, uh, co-host on the Money Roast with our boy, Bonte. And before the game, we went over to say what's up to Bonte on the set. And so they they let us in, and he's sitting there, as we see on television, right? He's fucking, Bonte's right on the side. We've got Molly, and we've got D-Wright. And so we come in, and weird setting, I, I don't know if, like, we must be at commercial break. Um, I don't know if they're going to be going right back. So I'm not really sure like what the interactive process is going to be. I want to play it cool. And I have a moment in my head where like, oh, you know, maybe we can talk to him about the podcast. So we walk in and to his credit, not to his detriment, Joe comes in fucking hot, dude. <laughs> Who is firing off questions. He's got oh Molly God. laughing. You could tell they already kind of had a friendship. They're talking about golf immediately. And so I just, you know, fuck, dude, I'm back off. What am I going to say? There's nothing, there's nothing I could go with the exception of I, uh, at one point, Joe says, Molly, you need to come on. Molly says, no, I don't get up before 10. And I say, that's where we record every podcast. You need to come on at 10. Nobody laughed. I, I looked at Bonte, like, he'd give me a fake laugh. The food didn't fucking help me at all, dude. He left me just out in the goddamn hey, car. Well, so, uh, well, well, here's the thing, Bram. What you forget is, just said it back there. I was like, hey, Bram, Chris, here's Bram. We're in little podcast. Bram was just going to keep his hands in his pocket in his nice little North Face that he had on. Like, damn, Bram got some style here. But he just got the hoodie on with the hat. Well, just like, uh, I'm not even going to put my head out to go meet Chris Willen. And Chris Willen didn't say he doesn't get up. He gives up at 10. The only 7.30 he knows is p.m., not a.m. A.m. Uh, but Bram's just sitting there shook. I'm like, hey, Bram, come meet Chris Willen. I was like, cool, Monte. Okay. Oh, man. Somebody called Joe. Well, we need a fucking video. Were they taping this, Monte? Because at no, that no. moment when you said, come and meet Molly, I'm getting ready. And Joe's like, Molly, let's play golf. I just played golf. Do you want to play golf? I just went to this stage. I've been mean, like, they were best friends immediately, dude. There was no space for um, me to talk. I, I, well, I would say they were friends immediately. I think Willow was just laughing because he's like, this guy's running hot. He's running material. And he's asked me a billion things. Hey, no damn way Willow comes to the city go golf with Joe Shasky. No, don't tell him that. Let's, we want him to keep that dream alive. I don't need his self-esteem to go down the train. But you know, Willow ain't going to play no golf. They're going to play no golf in the city. So it was a fun interaction. Love these guys coming by. But I was like, damn, Bram, you shook out here, man. And it's Jaskies defended Bram, fellas. You know, that's our idols, man. What happens if you beat your idol? Hey, how you oh, doing? I'm about to that's not the defense I wanted from Jasky. <laughs> Joe needed just, to say, I was talking too much, dude. Not the, like, that's what well, I would do with my idol. Well, one thing you're going to learn about Joe Jaskies is he, since he is your new best friend, he never believes he talks too much. Once he starts talking, his ear holes close up and he doesn't hear a thing. There's no such thing as talking too much in this world. No such thing at all. He so can Bo talk so straight minutes without taking a breath. Bonte, Mully, D. Wright, and I are all in a group chat, and I can confirm, Bram, that they thought you were weird. No, fuck you. Uh, I'm on that. What you guys don't know is I'm on that group chat. I'm just too afraid to text in it. Fuck you guys. Also, you should know that Joe and I are here together right now holding hands, and the stupid-ass uh, nice. Maxime has just put up a shot of him uh, in his background with Mully, which is upsetting me. Although I can tell <laughs> oh, that he man. might be a little bit of spook there. I was going to say as well, but it's not as well. It's not as well. You know what? We're moving on because yeah. this is some bullshit and clear <laughs> lies. You no, know? and I love Bonte, but he's clearly a liar. So Maxine, we're going to add you to the group chat. When I appreciate that. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they do, don't say anything about me lurking in behind. You know, look, dude, I'm in a group chat with a legend. What do you want me to do, boys? <laughs> Let's hop in to our first real segment. It's glass half full. You know the deal. Look back at recent Warriors basketball. Give me something you like or didn't like. I'll give you a moment to think. I'll go first. Here's what I like. I like how quickly Clay Thompson has seemingly become Clay Thompson, but more than that, how comfortable and how joyful he is back out on the floor. So I don't know if this is because I just played hoop and I didn't play the other sports growing up, so I don't recognize it, or if basketball really is an easier sport to read the humanity underneath. It. But I tell you what, watching Clay out there, you can see how 
happy he is to have this thing back in your life. You know, and, uh, all of us have this tendency, especially when something comes easy to not appreciate a skill you have until it's been ripped away from you. And Clay Thompson has been elite at basketball probably since when? He was like five or six years old. And then he has it taken away from him for 900 days. Well, the thing I like, boys, is not only watching him back on the floor, but watching what it means to Clay Thompson being back on the floor. You know, he, he, he hits a, that game when I went to my new best friend with uh, Joe. Clay hits a shot, and they call timeout, and he runs to the end zone, puts up his hands, and celebrates with the fucking fans. That's, that's not somebody who's taken one second of this shit for granted. That's someone who's soaking up every moment of this because he realized how much he missed it. So that's the first thing I like is watching Clay Thompson be Clay Thompson and appreciating what that means. Yeah, I think it's a good one. I didn't know that there were end zones in the NBA, but we'll let you slide. Did you know what I was talking about? Asshole, yeah, my guy. Yeah, I mean, okay. you could you could um, probably figure out exactly what I meant there. So there you go. My end zone for the man. Golden State Raiders. Um, hey, yeah. man. hey, Marcus, man. My man is rattled still about last week. Dude. He's never going to get over that. That was an incredibly uh, bad, right? smart, up, great take. You know, hold on. Uh, Chris Mully's calling me the other line. Let me tell him I'm not available. We've gotten pretty close. So I don't know if you knew that, but, you know, Mully, not right now, but not right now. I'm talking, uh, talking to somebody else. Yeah. I think that's a good one. I'll, I'll add on to it and kind of piggyback. Um, it's great seeing Clay be Some back and, and, and exactly doing what he does in the end zone best. Um, I think what I like about it too, is the the impact it has on the rest of the team. And in, in particular, Steph, uh, Steph doesn't have to carry as much of a load anymore. And you can tell he's still figuring out um, how to relinquish some of that, but you know, he's almost got a triple double the other night and it, it's, I think it's a great, sign that Curry will be able to extend the longevity of his elite playing career. Um, you know, as long as, as clay is healthy and, and contributing the way he is. And they're on this nine game winning streak without Draymond even playing one of those games. So um, I think it just bodes well for this team to have a longer run than we were hoping for. We were giving them another year or two, and I think they could get another three or four out of it. If they, if the team stays together and plays as well. Bonte, what do you call the area immediately underneath the basket? End zone, right? <laughs> yeah, the end zone. <laughs> I call it home oh, plate. That's what I call it. I call <laughs> that's it not funny. The, that's the not funny at all. Down. I don't mind <laughs> telling you that I don't find that funny. Uh, I, I and, no, that's not. Monte, I, I, okay, I hate both of you now. Uh, give us something. What do you got? Something you like or don't, Bonte? Man, 941 days he didn't play basketball, and now – I've gotten over the fact that he's back on the floor. Now he's looking more and more like Clay Thompson with the handle. Like he's dribbling the ball better and he's dropping dimes. But I'm going to go I'm gonna go with a combo here. Andrew Wiggins is Jordan Poole. I'm very impressed. It's a, very easy for Andrew Wiggins to not be aggressive with Clay Thompson being out, with Clay Thompson being back in the lineup, and he can become passive and become the Andrew Wiggins uh, of Minnesota where he had this bad reputation of being lazy, passive, not engaged. Andrew Wiggins has remained engaged. He continues to play at a two-way, uh, two-way type of level here, all-star level, of course, going to the all-star game in a couple weeks in Cleveland. And then Jordan Poole, it's not easy. It's not easy to go to the bench after you've been starting all season. Now, he knew the deal, right? They all knew the deal that once Clay gets back, he's starting. No doubt about it. How are you going to tell Clay Thompson to go to the bench? But a lot of guys wouldn't take it well. And he was playing really well as a starter, averaging 17-plus points uh, a game as a starter. For him to go to the bench, and there were some rough spots, he's adjusted really well. I love this, I love this game against Oklahoma City. 11 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. He's still playmaking. He's being efficient, and he's taking less and less bad shots on the floor. Now, he still forces a logo shot here and there from time to time, but I'm very impressed with those two for standing games because in order for this team to win the championship, they need Wiggins and Poole to be aggressive. They need 30 between these guys, possibly in a playoff series, a game. Now it may be much, but 25 to 30 a game, playmaking, rebounding, solid defense. So those two guys right there, I'm pinpointing them because they're still playing with joy and have a lot of fun, and they know their roles. And let's be honest, folks, Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole get to play the easiest basketball they'll ever get to play in the NBA because of Steph, because of Clay, and eventually when Draymond Green gets back. So I'm very impressed with those two guys, uh, Andrew Wiggins and uh, Jordan Poole.
I love that. Um, and I'll, I'll throw a cherry on top of it. One of the things I've learned to do as I've gotten older is actually appreciate things as they unfold. You don't see that with kids in their 20s. It doesn't happen. Um, it requires a level of maturity. That's kind of what you're describing. You know, the, the reason why people get pissy when their roles change is because they're not appreciating what they're actually giving to the team. In this instance, Jordan Poole, for example, I think understands the franchise he's playing for, understands the opportunity, understands this year. And so when they change the, you know, his part in it, he is so appreciative of just being here, this franchise, that it, you know, all he can do is keep succeeding. You know, he, he doesn't get pissy. He just recognizes it an opportunity. So I like that a lot. Maxine, what do you got? Yeah, and I think you add on top of that how that impacts Jonathan Kaminga, right? Uh, as a as a lottery pick that is seeing Jordan Poole a couple of years down the road and his success and seeing him be willing to take a step back. I think it just bodes well for the overall culture of some of these younger players. Um, but you said uh, uh, cherry on top. So speaking of cherries or rather uh, chairs, um, sorry for that. Uh, oh. We're 9-0 since the chair kick, uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, and that's just like a, a little nod. I think the more important thing uh, is that we're hearing re- uh, reports that James Wiseman is starting three-on-three contact drills. And that's just like, that's a really huge step. He hasn't had that since the knee injury. It bodes really well for him coming back before the postseason to give him some run, get some some minutes under his belt uh, before we actually make it to the postseason. It's just really, really exciting to see that missing piece come back in soon. I love that. Um, I will say I like that. I like it almost as much as I didn't like your cherry transition. That made me want to punch you right in the face. I mean, just like word games, I'm not a big fan of at all. And I'll give you one more thing I don't like about the past week of Warriors basketball. It's the text I received from Bonte the day after I met everybody. Quote, first time I've seen you so quiet. Didn't like that, boys. Read that and it immediately pissed me off. I don't remember what I texted back. Hopefully something loud and funny about end zones, but you know, it's there. It's not, I didn't like it in anyway. Hey, look, you handled it with maturity, Bram. Maturity like Jordan Paul. You're starting to be mature about it. You're realizing that, hey, I was a little shook. I did kind of see fucker. my dance there being How I know. Hey, hey, but think, do you think about maturity? How about Kelly Oubre Jr.? I, when you brought that up, though, and you brought up Kelly Oubre Jr. early in the podcast, Kelly Oubre last year, I'm not coming off the bench. I'm a starter. Now he's coming off the bench in Charlotte. And it's like, dude, you could have been coming off the bench for this team. Like, do you have any perception of NBA life? Or do you just want to be about yourself? By the way, Kelly Oubre Jr. should have been like 20-something percent for three in the last nine. I was looking at his stats earlier today, just kind of chuckling. Like, this guy didn't want to play here. He come off the bench. Hey, yikes. <laughs> Same thing for uh, Kent Bazemore. Decided to pay play for less money in L.A. and then that was being immediately traded. Also, Bonte, I'm mature enough to tell you that we talked about Kelly Oubre before we hit record. So nobody knows what you're talking about and they're all oh, sorry. completely sorry. left out. So I, mean, folks, I thought you were the folks, professional, dude. Folks, folks, Bram, Bram, I just start talking, man. You know what I'm saying? I, the, the butt goes on. Once we lock in, the show starts. Look, Marcus and Maxine, Kelly Oubre Jr., regretting everything about life. You know what I'm saying? Good player, doesn't fit. And all of a sudden, no, I don't want to come off the bench for the Warriors, which really took uh, take Clay Thompson off saying, you don't want to come off the bench for this team. But anyway, that's that's what we're discussing before, before no, the show. How, yeah, no, how Kelly Uber Jr. wasn't a fit. <laughs> nobody blames you, man. I'm sure you're just intimidated because you met me, your idol. And, you know, it's fine. At least you're able to talk. <laughs> Let's move to our next segment and our last it's our mailbag or our version of it five golden questions all of these come from our audience they generally speaking have to do with the warriors occasionally get personal these get both let's start with our first quote two days before the trade deadline and a couple of moves have already been made Karis LeVert to Cleveland uh, CJ McCollum to New Orleans Sabonis to Sacto the question is including those moves and any others you think could reasonably go down before Thursday do you think the list of title contenders this year will change? So will this trade deadline and you know any movement that we see change who we think is going to be in the finals? Bonte, why don't you tackle that one first? Yeah, I don't I don't see it happening at this deadline. Obviously the big the big carrot here is Ben Simmons, right? Is Ben Simmons gonna go to the Brooklyn Nets for James Harden? Doesn't seem like that's gonna go down. And I also think the buyout market is going to be more impactful for the title contending teams like the Phoenix Suns, the Warriors, of course, the Nets, the Bucks, the Suns, um, the Jazz. I guess the Jazz are not really title contending teams. Memphis is a team that I'm really 
interested to see because I think they have a legit shot to make a lot of noise in the Western Conference. But I don't see it changing much, Fram. I really don't, man. What move is going to really – like, Brooklyn's already a title contender with James Harden. It doesn't change with Ben Simmons. You know, what is Philly going to add? Are they going to add Miles Turner? I don't know if that – that doesn't work. They already have Drummond and Embiid. So, I think the title contending teams are going to stay the same. I don't see a team like the Utah Jazz right outside the title contending teams, the Denver Nuggets in that second tier. I don't see them making a big deal that's going to catapult them to the top of the standings. And we all say, oh, boy, they're going to be title contenders. Oh, they're, they're a factor here. Nothing's going to change before this deadline or after this deadline. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, the moves, especially that I just named, the things for you know, Levert to Cleveland, CJ, Sabonis, really those are not about this year. I mean, Cleveland is kind of towards the top of the Eastern Conference, but they're really just playing out their hand. The rest of these teams are kind of figuring out where they're going as far as general direction. They're not trying to solidify a title roster. The only move that could maybe change the balance is the one you've hit on, Monte. Where the hell is Ben Simmons going, and is it – the Nets, but if he goes there and the Warriors have to play Brooklyn, I hope it's fucking Ben Simmons and not Ben, uh, not James Harden. You know, I, I hey, recognize. You know, what? you know what though, James Harden does he really scare us? We've seen James Harden. This guy, when it becomes when he has to play in adverse situation, Harden flames out, man. Very talented individual player. Yep. Is he going to be in shape? How's the hamstrings going to be by June if the Brooklyn Nets make it to June? He wears down every single postseason. Every single postseason, he wears down. We saw it last season uh, where he didn't come into the season in shape. He wasn't a professional. I like, at least with Ben Simmons, he'll play defense. He can lock up on Clay and Steph and try to, you know, try to deny them the basketball. I, like, Kevin Durant's the problem in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant and Kyrie, I fear them more than anybody. James Harden, I, I'm sorry, Maxine and Marcus. I, I don't fear Harden. I really don't. No, and, and don't get my point wrong. It's not that I fear Harden so much that if they bring in Ben Simmons, it's a sigh of relief. It's that if they bring in Ben Simmons, if that's the trade that happens, I'm not suddenly way more afraid of Brooklyn. Last time we saw Ben Simmons, it wasn't his yeah. talent that was bottoming out. You know, it was his, yeah. the, his approach to pressure. And so if mm-hmm. our matchup is in the finals and he finds himself with the increased pressure, you know, that, that players only experience at that level, am I suddenly terrified how he makes them better? Fuck no, I'm not. So, no, the, the moves that have been made and could be made, I don't think changes the landscape. Assuming you boys agree with me, and tell me if you don't, but assuming if you boys do agree with me, I'll, I'll switch the question. Is there a move you're hoping Golden State's looking at or, or any moves around the league that will help Golden State's title chances? Yeah, I'll say uh, I, I agree with you except for one caveat. I, I think Philly can be a legitimate contender. Um, are more scary contender if they trade Ben Simmons and not to the Nets. I think if they get some pieces back the way Embiid is playing and the way, you know, like Danny Green will lock in for the playoffs. Matisse Teibel is a beast on defense. I think um, I think if they get some fringe pieces that are under the radar, but solid role players, um, I think that's a scary team with a healthy Embiid. But um, no, there. I mean, we we were talking about you know, Kevin Love being in the buyout market um, when we first started this season as a potential Warriors target. And the way Cleveland's playing, Kevin Love isn't going anywhere. And I don't even think he would fit with what we're doing right now. So, um, you know, last pod we talked about, um, you know, is is Bielitsa the the odd man out and somebody, if we had to make a move, would he be the person that we'd give up the roster spot for? Um, and I still think that's true. I think it was a great point, Bram, you know, um, but I just don't know who's out there that we would really trade for him and what other teams would value Nemanja that much to say, let's give you somebody who would make a difference when we're already, we're going to be struggling to get everybody on the court as is um, even in the playoffs when the rotation is short. You agree back then? Yeah, I'm on the same page. I mean, I think you saw uh, when Clay was posed this question, he said that the Warriors needed a new washing machine. Uh, and I think that says everything you need to know about the internal feeling, right? And that, that says as much about how they feel about the current squad as it does about whether or not they need any other pieces. I think Clay is seeing that this team is locking on all cylinders internally the same way we're seeing it externally. Clay is playing with such house money when it comes to humor. 
you know, you, you say that, you read that to me. I remember hearing that quote and I forgot about it. You say that out loud and I immediately chuckle, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, Clay being Clay, that's great. If it was somebody else, you know, on somebody else's team or whatever, and they asked them and they said, I need a new washing machine. Like, just answer the question. They're like, I don't like, you don't have to be all clever. And I love that Clay has not only earned the right to drop this, but we're all just like, oh, like, that's great. That's great that he said. Uh, Bate, this question I stole from Reddit. It was not immediately sent to me, but it made me think of you because I want your advice for this guy. So here it is, quote. My family has always been split between the Warriors and Kings, and I, unfortunately, was left on the Kings' side. With the recent idiocy in the front office, I would like to formally apply to being a full-time Warriors fan. I own a few Warriors shirts and was a huge Baron Davis and Jay Rich fan growing up. I should have looked into the future then and saved myself years of sadness. So please allow me to be a full-fledged Dubs fan. So, Bate, speaking as Mullen's second best friend and as a guy who's on the fucking show and watches this team, I mean, all the shit that goes into this, yeah? Should this gentleman, you know, he's banging. Should this gentleman be allowed to drop his old franchise and come into the Warriors fandom with open arms here? Um, And for those who haven't been following, I imagine this is coming from this recent trade where everybody thinks the Kings got fucked. Uh, The Pacers (laughs) traded out some bonus. Here's, here's... Woj's tweet on this. The Pacers are trading Domus Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Jeremy Lamb to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. You heard me say Jeremy Lamb twice. That's because that's what he put in there twice. And I think it's because he just wanted to make the fucking trade seem like it was like they were getting more people. Um, and what he ultimately meant was Justin Holiday. So in light of all this, years, decades of ineptitude, a recent terrible trade, this guy wants to come on board. Bonte, what's the answer? You know, I appreciate him begging and want to be part of his empire, the nation. Um, but we went through our troubles as Warrior fans right. from 94 to 07. All right. No playoffs. And then we believe for one year and then back to being a decrepit franchise. And we stay strong. We stay tough. We bought those six packs. We bought those, you know, those tickets at 76 gas stations. We, we, we waited at the game for the, for the Jumbo Jacks, the free Jumbo Jacks, if they scored 100 points in one. I mean, we did it all. We chilled out, and we stayed strong. We had chances to go to Sacramento, hit root for Chris Webber, uh, Mike Bibby, and, and those great Kings teams. We had chances to go to the L.A. Lakers. We had chances to go root for the Miami Heat. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. We stayed strong. So, young man, I appreciate you wanting to be part of Dub Nation. But it's going to be all right with the Kings. You waited for 15 years. What's another 15 years to wait on for a playoff spot? It's going to be okay. One day the Kings will be great. It may not be today, may not be tomorrow, may not be next year, may not be within the next five. But you got to stay strong, buddy. You got to stay strong. What are we supposed to tell the Cleveland Brown fan? They suck for years. All right, they suck for years. You want them to dump them for the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, you can't do that. It doesn't work like that. You want me to dump the Giants for the Dodgers? Does not work like that. Come on, Padre fans are stuck with the Padres. It's the you know, Tampa Bay Ray fans stuck with the Rays. They turned it around. Kings will turn it around one day. You got to stick with your squad. As much as I would love to have this young man in his family part of Dub Nation, you, you can't. You got to stick with the Kings, man. You can't just jump off the ship because of one trade. Take a deep Bye. breath. Have a good night's sleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> walk it off. Go on a hike or something. It's going to be all right. Sabonis is a good player. Yeah, three-point guards anyway. You had to trade somebody. You know, Davion Mitchell, Fox, and Halliburton. What the hell were they thinking anyway? Stick with the Kings, young man. Stick with the Kings. You're not allowed to come to Dub Nation. I will not allow it. I love you, but you can't come to this empire. You got to stick with the Kings, man. You got to teach your kids, dude. This is, this is about values and ethics. You know what I'm saying? What a baby chance. My daughter said, hey, Bonte, you know, Dad, I, I want to dump the Warriors for the L.A. Clippers. What? No. No, not a house. You're getting kicked out the house. That's a, Come on, man. Can't do that. No. Brand, you said no. Come on. You got to agree with me here. Of course I do. Okay. Well, first, let me give you a compliment. I love that you turned. Basically, your response was, fuck, you know, you're immature and unethical. But you turned it into like an emotional support answer. Like, you'll be okay. And the blood sacto will get there. And everything's going to be fine. Do I agree with you, Bonte? Of course I agree with you. Of course I agree with you. So if he had, you know, this this email or this uh, Reddit post contemplates that he was looking at the Warriors during Baron Davis's first year. Well, we were successful then. We're, we're talking right about we believe. But we're not on the other end of a dynasty. 
a lot of this request comes with when it's being made. If Secta was awful, 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 and then he come to us, well, the Warriors were still terrible. And it's like, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind trying this out. I'd be at the jumping teams and not rooting for where you're from. I'm still not on board with, but at least there's some excuse. Jumping teams who you're not on board with to join a much better objectively like championship title fucking favorite team is 100% unacceptable. No, you cannot do that. You know, if, if I grow up poor and the, the family down the street has hella money, I can't be like, can I be a part of your family? No, dude, you stick with the family that you're in and you find a way to suffer through it together. Come on. Um, okay. Judging only by their faces. You know, I've got the advantage of seeing videos here. I feel like Maxime agrees with this, but I feel like Marcus secretly in his heart of hearts feels like, let this dude become a Kings fan. And what's hard for him, Monte, is you know he likes to fucking agree with you, man. And so, you know, like, this is an internal struggle. Let's see where he lands. Marcus, what do you think, dude? You're the bouncer at the front of the Warriors Club. You opening the door for this kid? I am not. He's not allowed in. I, I, I think this kid was enjoying those Bibby Stoyakovich Weber days. And now that it, the tide has turned, you know, he wants to jump in on the Splash Brothers and Dre. And I just, I wouldn't stamp that, that passport in. Um, I agree with Bonte 100%, except for one part, him saying that it'll be okay, the Kings will be back. I don't think so. I think that owner is... <laughs> is doesn't have the right direction and i just don't it, those moves are super suspect so i don't see that happening anytime soon but Dude, I, you know hopefully. i think there's a 30 percent chance this fucking email came from the owner this might be <laughs> you know it just be like let me back in like i had it I was, it was great there like what am i doing here this is not supposed to be happening Maxine, do you have any more heart than us, dude? Or are you uh, equally as fu? Listen, I, I no, I don't think that I don't think that he deserves in. But but at the same time, well, okay. First of all, right, MT. You know, this is the exact what Bonte was saying is the exact same thing that that this fan is dealing with here, right? Like I mean, we're basically looking for Rana Dive to sell the team the way Conan <laughs> did before it becomes yeah. something that that you can have heart for, right? Um, but at the same time, look, I, I think this is not just like a that's the rich family down the street and I'm part of the poor family. It's, it, it sounds like this young fellow is uh, maybe he has divorced parents. Right. And like mom's hella rich and dad's really poor and he got stuck in dad's house. Right. But he's realizing, Oh, wait a minute. I, you know, there is some history. And I think it's worth considering. So no, I, I don't think in the, I, I agree with you at the end of the day, given that the Kings are terrible right now, and the Warriors are doing great right now. There's no guarantee that this man is not going to change back were the tables to flip in another decade or two. And that's what sketches me out. With all of that said, right, this is a concept that I've heard before, this idea of fan amnesty. And I would just sort of like, you know, maybe put this out there to the to the world of listeners. If there's anybody else out there that's not currently a Warriors fan that maybe was searching for Warriors podcasts and came across the huddle and has been listening for the first time and is considering right into us because I think just because this person's case did not fly doesn't mean that other people shouldn't um, apply for fan amnesty, right? If there are other contexts. You've hit on the key point. I, what I told you is I stole this from Reddit. If this person listened to the huddle, I'd be like, welcome aboard. You are a Warriors fan. It is fantastic for you. Next question, boys. And it's kind of a complicated one, all right? So to get to the question, first I'm going to read you some names. Any of you, fire off. After I tell you the name, you tell me what player this, this guy plays for in the NBA. Here's our first. Dyson Daniels. Anybody? Nope. All right. Uh, Jaden Hardy. James Harden. James Harden. No, it's not. It's his own guy, Jaden Harden. I'll give you another one. Scoot Henderson. Anybody? Scoot Henderson is a G League, right? G League. Okay, there you go. Marjan Bocamp. You guys know him? You know what all these people have in common? They're all in the fucking Rising Star games while Kuminga is not. (laughs) What is happening? Never heard of these guys. I've never heard of these guys. Who are you? I agree. Yeah, no, this is a good point, and I love where you're going with this brand. But I think, just side note, Scoot is somebody to keep an eye on. I think he's going to come into yeah. the league and do things. But completely yep. agree with your point. Keep going on on how Kaminga is completely robbed of being yes, in the showcase. Exactly right. 
if you did completely agree with my point, we wouldn't have had a goddamn sideline about Scoot Henderson. Like, so <laughs> you're, you're throwing up speed bumps for no reason here. The one thing that all, I think there's two facts we can all immediately agree on. I think the league would agree on it. One, rising stars, it's just getting people to be interested in this class. That's it. They're not expecting right. good basketball. They don't want to develop the G League. They just want to have highlights. You know, it's an extension of the All-Star game. Fact number right. two, Kaminga is a human highlight. He's must-see television. He plays for five minutes, and he gives you three dunks that you have to rewind five times. If I could pick any player in the NBA or players who I'd want to be in a setting where no defense was played and I want to be entertained, you know, the LaMelo balls of the world, of course they're there. Anthony Edwards, yes, absolutely. Evan Mobley deserves it. So does Kaminga. Dyson Daniels? I couldn't pull Dyson Daniels out of a lineup of one What's happening here? Like, what, what could the possible justification be? Can, can anyone take me from the league's perspective when they yeah. decided, all right, here's all these people, but F Kaminga? Yeah, I, I mean, I, so first of all, I completely agree. Kaminga should be in there over a lot of people, right? I, I think the idea is, is that the G League at night is in its infancy. And what this says to a bunch of high school players is, hey, you don't have to be one and done. You can go to the G League Ignite. You're going to get other opportunities besides just the paycheck and maybe a fast track into the NBA, right? There's all sorts of mechanisms by which this is better than going to college. Okay, but you know where Kaminga played to get into this? G League Ignite! I mean, that's where he came from. They can make that point. Here you go. This is the path he took. You know, like we considered somebody like Dyson Daniels, but we saw that Kaminga has already taken this route and is succeeding in it. This, it does not make any sense. None. Um, I listened to Draymond's podcast this week for the first time, which by the way was great. And he gave us insight during that podcast about the dunk contest. You know, last week I was bitching. Where's Kaminga? Where's GP2? And and he added Wiggins. And what he said was, well, no, no, I told, I brought it up with those guys. And they all said, no, I don't want to be a part of it. So at least there was a back and forth, apparently, between the league. I can't imagine that happened with the Rising Stars game. So what's, Bonte, what's going on here, man? Like, is, is there, have you guys received something like as part of the NBC Sports Bay Area's pregame where you have to talk about the G League only or something? Like, is there any explanation from a television perspective here? I, I, I no, not really. We're all wondering. You name these guys. I'm thinking, who? What the, is this wordplay or something? On like you said, hard. I'm like, are you talking about James Harden? What, what are you talking about? I'd never heard of these guys. We read the list last week when they came out with the Rising Stars Challenge, and this is when Kuminga really started to assert himself. Think about his last three games. He's averaging over 17 points per game in limited action, and he gets better and better and better each and every game. I still hold out hope that somebody's going to pull out of this game and Kuminga's going to go to Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm not going to go crazy yet. But once the game happens and Kuminga's not in there, the NBA misses out on showcasing one of this fast-rising stars and showcasing one of their fast-rising stars on the national platform. I just don't get it. I don't get it. It just doesn't make any sense to me that they would bypass Jonathan Kuminga. All right, Moses Moody, he's been down in the G League. I get it. Tana Kaminga is a human highlight, like you said. The guy is just chasing the roars differently, right? You had the 49ers when they had Nick Bolton, George Kittle, Richard Sherman, Quan Alexander. Levi's rock differently when they made plays. Chasing her rocks differently when Steph hits a three, when Clay Thompson does something great, and when Jonathan Kaminga dunks all over somebody's head. When he comes into the game, there's an aura to his game. Like, he goes to the scorer's table, and people get excited. They're like, oh, there's J.K., there's J.K. I see it every night at Chase Center when he's about to check into the basketball game. So the NBA, if they don't add Kaminga to the Rising Star Challenge, it's really on the NBA for missing out the opportunity to showcase one of their fast-rising stars. Kaminga's going to be a star if he continues to put it to work. If he continues to put it to work, this guy's going to be a next-level player. He's going to be an all-defensive player. He's going to be a guy who's going to be on all NBA teams. It's the NBA's fault. They're, they got a week or two to fix this, to rectify this wrong here. So I'm not going to get pissed yet, but once that game tips off and Kaminga's not there, then we have a problem. Doing this without Kaminga is like having an electric car show and having a Prius instead of a Tesla. Like, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, that's an yeah, electric car, but there's a way better one. Like, well, what's going yep. on? Dude? Like, we know that this is out here. Here's our last yep. question. Um, and it's one I'm very excited for. Quote, you mentioned drinking games a few weeks back. What are your top three drinking games and which Warriors player would you want to play a drinking game with? 
So I'm going to switch it wow. a little bit, right? We don't, you don't have to give me your top three game, drinking games because that would involve explaining rules, logistics, that kind of stuff. So instead, I'm going to make it a two-part question. One, were you a drinking games guy or are you a drinking games guy if you still play it? And then two, if you could get drunk with a Warriors player, who would you pick? I'll go first since I've seen this um, and I've had a little time to think. So was I a drinking games guy? I think everybody who is listening and is on this call knows resounding yes. I was an insane, like way over competitive drinking guy. Freshman year, I destroyed a Monopoly board and uh, and made it a series of drinking games. But that one just went in a fucking circle. So you just play until somebody died, basically. So then we made uh, shoots and ladders where each space was a drinking game. That thing was great because it combined drinking and competition, which is a ugly combination and which is exactly where i really thrive i i don't i don't want to say it's not my business but chris mullen and i had some crazy nights dude some really great nights but we don't have to get into that we don't have to get into all that so yes i was a drinking guy now who would i want to get drunk with let me start with who i would not draymond draymond's at the top of that list i feel like draymond would become like aggressive like kind aggressive but like aggressive and i am such a puss and can't take any kind of criticism that I'd be in tears by the end of the night. And we don't need that. I don't want to drink with GP too. love him, love him as a player, but he strikes me as maybe one of those quiet, sullen drinkers. And it would make me hell of nervous if he just stopped talking. And I'd, I'd like fill the evening with just like nonstop chatter. So neither of those two guys, here's the two guys I want splash brothers, boys. It's an easy call for me. So clay clay would be wild. I don't, I don't know what would happen. I don't know what we talk about. There's a chance we'd take his boat somehow to the in and out at the end of the night. Right. Whatever it was, dude, time of our life. And then Steph, Steph's that guy. I think he'd be a really nice drunk. And I think he'd like start making all those promises we all make, you know, when you're you're too drunk with friends. But unlike everybody else, Steph would actually do the things he promised. You know, he'd be like, oh, we'll, we'll go to Aisha's restaurant and I'll get you a free deal. And then that next morning, you'd actually get a text of like, oh, let's go, dude. I know we talked about it. So I am a drinker. Splash Brothers are my guys. And I'm a little bit afraid of GP2 and Draymond, apparently, which, you know, is what it is. What do you guys got? Well, I got beer pong. Beer pong. That's the one and only, whether it's Beirut, beer pong, whatever you want to call it. That's that's the game that I played in college with Natty Ice, with uh, Budweiser. Just terrible beers, right? But I got an underrated guy because everybody's going to say Clay. I think Kevon Looney could be a great time. Kevon Looney starting to show some personality here. The Fit A commercials, the C's candy. He's a fun interview. He's a good dude. He's jovial. And I've always seen his pops at Oracle Arena and Chase with a with a nice little glass of yak all the time, every single game. I think Kevon Looney is a sneaky good drunk. And I think we'd have a fascinating time drinking with Loon Dog. I love that. Also, you picked the one guy you might be able to beat in fucking beer pong. A fool can't shoot a free throw to save his fucking life. So there's a good chance <laughs> yeah, you actually yeah, might be able to take him down. In related news, you I will beat your that. ass in beer pong. Not me. Hey, Loon. <laughs> Brand said that. Not Bonte Hill. I respect <laughs> your free throw shooting. Come on, Looney. Jokes. <laughs> jokes. Everybody settle down. Just a couple of jokes here. Uh, Marcus, I know that you are not a drinker, but I still respect your, your opinion on this. Um, so, you know, you weren't a drinking games guy, but if you could get hammered with a player, who would it be? I'm still going to go two players like you did. And Clay is obviously there. I think, you know, he has to be um, kind of chiseled in stone as your first invite. Um, for the second one, I'm going to go Juan T. I think he would be fun to have as this that crazy guy who goes out and you can just send him out to go bring the girls back to your VIP little booth. Or if if you're just sitting at a bar chilling, you know, he's just the guy who does a little crazy stuff while me and Claire are just hanging back and talking about scaffolding. I feel like one T would have deep thoughts while drinking too, you know, like weird things, you know, like, what do you guys think the color blue sounds like? Like, like something like yeah. that. Like, oh shit. <laughs> That might be too much for your boy. That might be too much for a boy. <laughs> no deep thoughts, Watts. He was just having some fun, man. <laughs> and then Clay oh, would be man, like, exactly what it tastes like. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hell, yes. Somebody throw that dinghy over the side. We've gotten here to in and out. Uh, uh, Maxime, who do you got? 
Well, listen, okay. So first of all, I, I take offense to the premise of the question because you said, were you a drinking games guy? And quite frankly, I still am a drinking games guy. In fact, I'm going to a bachelor party next week and it is a sunrise to sunset drinking game situation. We're starting with four on four sporting events where we go through all the major sports and then we're moving on to drinking games and the drinking game I want to call out because I'm very proud of it. I may, I put this together with my track house in college. Um, we well track as in running track, just to be clear. Climbing trees to the trap house? That's impressive. <laughs> this fool has a very complicated past. Very complicated. Lots of tree climbing. It's a, where he's come from, dude. Well, so we were very inspired by inspired by It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And so there's an episode called The Game of Games where they put together a series of games that culminates in some chaos. And so we just made a series of drinking games and actually speaking of ice cream we lived about 800 meters from cream uh on telegraph avenue and so we actually made a deal with cream the ice cream uh shop where we would have a relay race running up in onesies eat an ice cream sandwich run back take the onesie off the next person puts it back on and runs up so like we have a history of competitive drinking games that and it's always everybody ends up yelling at everybody so i'm super down for aggressive drinking in the context of aggressive competition i believe maxine he, anybody who says it's 800 meters away, okay. you respect. Just about to say, dude, the only <laughs> thing that bothers me more than if I was working at an ice cream place and fools ran up in onesies and I had to serve them and like, oh, ha, ha, I'm part of your drinking game, was that he decided to use the word meters and not feet. I have no idea. That could be three miles. It could be 10 inches. I have no idea, dude. I mean, what is the fucking metric system? Just use. We're, we're, this is an American podcast, man. Settle oh, down. my goodness. All right. Wow. Uh, 2,780 feet. Does that help? I mean, Much yeah, better. Hey, like, oh, no, exactly. I know where you live like now. That ice cream store. <laughs> of course, dude. Yeah, where was that detail before? Okay, I got you. All right, but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with Bonte on the Kavon Looney. I was I was a, a little bit disappointed. I thought that was gonna be a sleeper pick. I feel like Kavon Looney is the John Ham of the NBA, and by that I mean <laughs> right, John Ham made it to prominence late in his life, and so he continues to have this aura about him of like he understands fame. You know, he he has a bunch of great stories. He's super polished, but he's not pompous about it, right? He didn't like move into stardom as a 20 year old, and I think Kavon's got that same energy. So it'd be super fun to to hang with him because he's going to he's going to have that balance of the superstar lifestyle with the down to earth kind of mentality. I um, I love the Kevon Looney thing and I'm going to add just a random tag on uh, for no real reason. I think they're going to lose Kevon Looney. Uh, Loon's going to be a free agent. Oh. And I think what's going to happen is, do you guys remember before the Warriors were were good, when we were still in that place of sending out emails to try to get to a new team, the Warriors would <laughs> overpay for veterans who had championship experience no from other teams. You know, we, we paid B.J. Armstrong, we paid Corey Blunt, we paid like all these yep. okay players and we gave them more money because of what they represented. They'd come in here and give us, you know, this championship culture. I think that's what's going to happen with Lynn. I think he's going to go to some team on a, on a deal that's more money the Warriors can pay, principally because of that. And then they'll get him and realize he's not that good at beer pong and, you know, they'll have to deal with, uh, they'll have to deal with that issue as it unfolds. Bate. Well, we miss. Hey, uh, here's a question just for me. Not a golden, uh, not a, a golden question. Where were you last night? We missed you on the pre and post day off, man. You got to use these day off days uh, off wisely, man. Thursday night game. You get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. OKC in town. So let's see OKC Thunder. I can take that one off and come back Wednesday. So you got to be very smart how you take these days off. I did miss it. Watching it from home. Still watching the game. It's just different. You know, it's different now for me. Watching a game, television has totally screwed up my viewing experience. Um, you know, I'm not going to complain. I have a job. It's pretty cool. But, you know, it, it's different. But I'll be back uh, for the Utah Jazz game. What a stretch here, man. Utah, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Clippers. You got the Nuggets. It'll be a fun five-game stretch here as the Warriors try to extend this nine-game winning streak. Can't wait. Yeah, me, uh, me too. You probably didn't. Well, that's why I didn't see you. I, I was actually at the set. You won't believe it. Uh, Mullen invited me. So I, shot it. I mean, it was good. It's oh, a good time. Right. I don't want to press it, dude. Yeah. I don't want to press it. But, we, you know, we, yeah. we did yeah. pretty well. Bonte, I appreciate <laughs> you, man. Your jokes aside, as much as I occasionally hate you, I also love you. Um, I know I'm not the only one who loves you on this show. And I know I'm not the only one who wants way more of Bonte Hill in their life. Where do we go, man? Yeah, Twitter at your own risk. Although I haven't been tweeting much, man. I have a daughter who's 14 months old, and 
on a vitriol on Twitter. And I, I, I'd be damned if I go on Twitter to hear about Steve Kerr's rotations one more time. I just can't take it, all right? They're 41 and 13. Who cares about the rotations? It's the regular season. Relax, people. But follow me at your own risk, at Bonsale on Twitter. Of course, 957gay.com. Uh, morning roll 6 to 9 a.m. with Joe Shast, the butcher, Brand's best friend. Uh, right. We're no longer cool, but we do a show together from 6 to 9, Monday through Friday. So it's always fun. I really have fun with Maxine and Marcus. I mean, they're the two stars of the show. Brandma just got to put up with you. I don't know yeah, how they so. do it on a daily basis, but you know what? It, it is what it is, right? I feel like I said I loved you. I mean, I don't know. Did, did something get lost in translation? I'm, I'm over here waiting for the love and got just I, I love my you face. too, man. I, I, yeah. I, I, I love you, Brad. You know I got love for you, man. Uh, you. I love this podcast, man. We've been doing it for over five years now, which is yeah. funny. So um, it was good to see you kind of just sit there and shock a Chris Muller, but I'm glad you actually oh, got yeah. to meet him, man. Get your hand out of your pocket, dude. Meet Chris Muller, man. Can't be, Come on. I was playing a cool, Dante. I was playing a cool. No, when you meet the hot Everybody girl, doors you don't cool. run over and like, hey, you're the hot girl. You play that shit cool. So That's what I was trying corner. to do. And then, no, I wasn't in the corner. It's a goddamn TV. Oh, no, I can't believe this. We're back here. I can't believe we're back here. We're having Joe back on, and he's going to explain to you that he took up all the air in the room, and there was no more space for me to speak. Oh, this is awful. Uh, not so awful where I won't remind you guys that if you want to uh, shoot us a question, you can do that to our email account, which is at huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Or you can drop it to our Twitter account, Warriors Huddle, or Huddle, no, at Warriors Huddle. There you go. Uh, a lot easier to, uh, to say, apparently, here. Um, and with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.